0: That was great, wasn't it? Getting to do the baby—it's always a good thing. Okay, I got sort of a—I want y'all to hang with me on this message here a little bit. This this message kind of uh, is—I think God really wants to say something specific to us this morning, and so—and I think the word in the worship was just a doorway for us. Okay, about intimacy—I really do—and so I want you to try to hear hear the Lord speak to you this morning. Uh, Revelation three, verse one through three. This is the the message to the to the angel of the church in Sardis. Write, he who has the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars, say this: I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you're alive, but you are dead. That's that's kind of a rough. That'd <laughs> be kind of a rough day one, but <laughs> hear that. <laughs> Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. So remember that what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. So um, this was, there was like, you know, these seven churches in Revelation, two of them were unique uh, in the fact that their issues were not, like, like you know, um, the other churches, some of them had, like, remember last time I spoke? I don't know if you remember that far, but some of them had ba- uh, teachers that was teaching the church to commit immorality. Uh, the Nicolaitans and Balanites, uh, the spirit of Jezebel, it was uh, teaching the church and leading the church into fornication and, and immorality. and And, uh... But they, this church, and then, then there was the persecuted church, church that had people coming against them from the outside. So you've got these internal uh, enemies and you have external enemies of the church, basically. You know, there's going to be things within the church that become our enemy. You know, Paul prophesied that when he left Ephesus, that, that ravenous wolves would come in and men would rise up with among, amongst you. So that's always going to be a thing in the church. Um, but these problems these guys had were sort of like self-imposed problems, okay? Uh, in other words, they brought the problems on themselves. Nobody else brought it on them. Nobody from the outside and nobody from the inside. They just brought it upon themselves. And I think if you really look at all these churches, this church and the Laodicean church probably are more like us and, and, and we can relate to them more than all the other churches, in other words, we don't have some lady named Jezebel teaching us and getting us into sexual sin, okay? We don't hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans and the, and the Balaamites that lead to that kind of thing. We're not being persecuted in America. You know, we don't have people threatening us to, you know, lock us up if we uh, profess Christ and meet together. But we do have things that we have brought upon ourselves, okay, and that really bring a lot of damage And so the Lord was speaking to this church, and He says, you have a name that you're alive. You have a reputation that you're alive. And the reason they had a reputation, if you go back into the book of Acts, uh, in Acts 19, 20, there was a a revival, uh, and it was one of the most powerful revivals in the Bible. The revival actually said, the power of the revival was, it says the Word of God spread all over Asia. That's how powerful of a move of God that happened, and of course the church at Ephesus was was born in this revival, you know, and it became a great church, but this church here, Sardis, was also a church that came out of that revival. It was an Asian church. It came out of that revival. So this was a church that came and that was born in the move of God and the fire of God. So lots of times a lot of people probably in this room can relate to this. They you can relate to being born again. In some level of a move of God, and experiencing that move of God, but also seeing that move come to an end. Do you hear what I'm saying? When we were born again back in the '70s, there was a thing called the Jesus move or the and the charismatic move. All that; those were moves of God that were very powerful. Okay, and so we were born. We became Christians. Many of us, probably many of us in this room, became Christians in a revival. It was a really a revival. It was an awakening that was happening. And so here we were, we were caught up into something. In our minds, we didn't consciously think this, but we assumed it. Later we thought it. This is the way Christianity is supposed to be. It's supposed to be, there's supposed to be a move. There's supposed to be something happening. And and that move really came to an end. Uh, and, and, And there was a lot of bad things that sort of happened. And a lot of people who were born again in that time, found themselves in a situation where God was moved all of a sudden they found themselves, woke up one day in a new world. And the new world was this. There was no manifest presence of God. There wasn't no flow of God. There was no momentum of the Spirit. And uh, a lot of people didn't know what to do with it. And, and a lot of people actually fell away from the Lord uh, over that. Um, so this is sort of where Jesus said to these people, they had not fallen from, from grace... They were still following the Lord, they were born again still, but there was no active presence of God in their life anymore. That's where they were at. There was no active presence of God, there was no life in them. they were just people who were who were believers, and they were still as a church, and they had this name based on what happened to them in the past, but nothing was happening anymore and Jesus used some pretty hard words to him he's You know, he said, you got this name, but you're dead. Okay? And so I think that's what happens with a lot of believers, is is we, you know, especially people who experience the move of God, and doesn't everybody want to experience the move of God? Probably everybody in this room has experienced the move of God on some level since you've been a Christian, right? But many of us, that's where we were alive. We were alive in that time, and now today we're not really alive anymore. Yeah. You hear what I'm saying to you? There's a deadness that comes in, into our life. And so I think one of the things that we're going to have to deal with, um, especially in the last days, is, is getting this, this lethargic spirit on us. Okay? It, you know, and, and, and becoming, and, and getting, getting down and feeling, and, and a deadness comes on us. And a lot of that happens because our expectations are not met, honestly. You know, we have unfulfilled expectations, and, uh, and and or sorrow. Sorrow causes for you to feel lethargic spiritually. When you get into sorrow now, when you have sorrow in your life, you become, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a sleepiness that gets on you. So what, what's happening in the world today, with all the things that are happening in the world today, a lot of Christians who were at one time going after God with a lot of passion in life are not right now. Because of the, you know because of the spiritually, the unmet expectation, plus because of all the sorrow they're personally experiencing in their life, because the carpet's sort of being jerked out of under people's feet right now, and people are trying to find their balance right now, and things are not working like they did at one time, because God's shaking things. And so what happens with a lot of people is they begin, they begin to shut down on the inside. They don't fall from God, They don't, they don't leave the Lord. But they lead their passion for the Lord that 's really what the Lord was trying to say this morning that's why that was trying to open that door for people is to help us see something that 's going to really carry us no matter what happens in the world. I think if we really could really uh, begin to see you know, how critical it is for, for us to really have that um, that thing with the Lord, that intimacy with the Lord. but I 'll tell you something. Um, I personally, this is what I have experienced in my Christian life. Like I said, I was born again in the move of God. And when it was over with, I spent years in my life trying to recapture that. Something that was not going to be recaptured. Years. I spent years trying to get something I couldn't get no more. And what, what I've seen, what I've done personally, and what I've seen people do, is we, we try to get the form of it. We'll capture the form of it. Okay? You can capture the form of something that was alive at one time but you can't capture the thing that brought life into it. And it's almost like this. This is a good example for me. It's like having a plate of really good food, okay? And you eat this like a really good meal, okay? And it was fixed special, and it was put in on a special place setting, and you had to hold all this atmosphere around it. And, and you keep trying to go back, but all you got's an empty plate. You got all the setting, you got all the atmosphere, but you don't have the food that was in the plate, And so I saw. I spent years of my life in the stream of the church I was in doing that. That's the way I felt. It's like, you know, always trying to look for that one thing. If we can just do it like this, maybe the life will come back into it. If we can just make it look like it did back then, let's do the music like we did it back then, or let's arrange the room like we did it back then. Let's arrange our, our, do all our arrangements and how we do our thing back then. And maybe God will one day will just come back into that and we'll have what we had. And honestly, I don't necessarily know that that's, a, a, that's a really a bad thing to do because what you, you're not going after the arrangement, you're going after what you had, which was, was, was the presence of the Lord. And people will do desperate and, and really crazy things when they're looking for that presence. You know? They will go after a form hoping that somehow God is in the presence. But, you know, if you, if you do it long enough, the next generation comes along, they may keep doing it themselves, you know, because that's what you did. I mean, you've heard the old story about the woman who cooked the ham. She always cut the end off of it off, and the daughter did it, and finally one day, why do you cut the end of the ham off, Mom? Well, Grandma did that. Grandma, why do we cut the end of the ham off, thinking it was some special thing? Because my pan was too short. <laughs> There was nothing special that made the ham good. It was just I had a short pan I had to cut the end off and, you know, people just picked. That's how traditions start. You know? This is what Jesus said. He says, No one after drinking the old wine wishes for the new. For he says the old is good enough. The old's good enough. And that's the way we are as people. We're always wanting what we had and what God was in because that was good. And we never, and when God wants to reintroduce the new wine to us, we don't want it because we're still looking for the old. And what can happen is you can miss the new thing that God's doing because you're comparing it to the old. You understand that? And that's really what, and so after, after a period of time, you start getting deadness on you. You start getting dead as a believer. You just become a dead person over a period of time. It doesn't happen in a day. But I believe one thing the Lord's trying to do right now, I I believe we're in a a moment of time where God really is trying to to wake wake us up. And it's not this wake up. It is a wake up, but it's a gentle waking. Like, I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to wake you up for something. I'm not coming to you and telling you you're in big trouble like He had to do with these people. He's coming to us in a gentle, you know, it's like... I used to wake up my little boy when he was little. He don't, he, I always tell him this. I used to go into every morning in his room to get him up for school. I'd go. And just tap on his bed and gently wake him up. Get him up. Later life, I'd go in and scream at him. <laughs> get out of bed. <laughs> but God is, I feel like God's just doing that little tap on us right now. Trying to, to wake our hearts up. And tell us, Listen. The path you're going down is not good. It's not a good path. Because if you keep going down this path, you're going to end up like these people uh, and you're going to be in big trouble. He said, uh, Remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. That's what he told me. You need to repent because you had something that was real. And you need to hang on to what was real but not to the form. Well, um, somebody sent me this, uh, it was actually Linda Gein, sent me this prophetic word from 1983 that Arthur Burke gave. And I wanted to read it to you. Uh, It says, I'll read part of it to you, because some some of it don't make sense, Linda, honestly. (laughs) I couldn't figure all this out. He says, "...the words that have fallen on deaf ears will be heard, and the work that has been neglected will be finished." And all that had died would be resurrected. All that had died would be resurrected. And the glory of the finish will be greater than the first part and will be known. And I think, I don't know for sure, but I think this word was basically given because there was a move of God that came to an end and a church died because of it because the, ch- the church was sustained by that movement. When the move was over, the church didn't know how to be a church, and the church fell apart. And Arthur was given a word. I think that's what it is. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a year before the church fell and ended. So, but everything... Let me just say something. Everything everything that's really spiritual has got to die at some point. I mean, that's just the way it is. Everything has to die so it can be resurrected. Okay? Every dream that we have, every vision that we have, everything that comes from God is going to have to go through that death process. Okay? Now, here's what's happened to a lot of people. A lot of people, God has given them promises. He's given them words. He's given them things. And a lot of those words and promises have almost become forgotten words and promises. In fact, in your mind, you don't even think about them no more. Has anybody had that experience? And see, what God wants to tell people is that's part of the program. But there's a resurrection that God wants to bring. And I, see, here's what I think. I think we're in a moment where God wants to begin to stir people again and remind them of promises He's made in our lives. Right. And saying those promises were from me. And I want to resurrect those things in your life. I want to bring those things back to you. And one of the things is um, about spiritual deaths. Um, you know, every seed... For a harvest, we've got to plant a seed, right? you got to plant something in the ground to get a harvest. Okay, so... You know... Last couple of weeks, we've had a, wor- a very similar word about, you know, contending for your harvest, okay, and, and you know, that's really like a, a good word right now for the body of Christ, you know, to contend for what you've sowed into the kingdom of God, whatever it is. Finance, is, finance would be the first thing that would come to your mind, Right? Does it come... Is that the first thing? I, come on, get the truth. It does me. I mean, come on. Everybody needs some more money, right? So... But that's a good thing to contend for. And those were really two good words given to us. And I think we need to listen when God gives us something two times in a row. Okay? And He gave us that same word two times in a row. Just different, different people. Robin gave it. And uh, Bob gave it. So... But there's another thing. There's other things that we've sown. Okay? Now, here, this is a serious thing. This is, this is a serious thing, because I was asking the Lord about this. I thought, Lord, you know what? I'm really mad about that baby dying. I'm really mad about it. Okay, I'm mad about it for a couple of reasons. Number one, because every time a baby dies, I go back and relive my own experience with my baby dying every time. And I don't like reliving that experience, but God seems to allow that. And another thing is, is we were just contending for harvest and a baby dies. That can't be right. Lord, I can't tell me what's going on. I need to hear from you. you know what the Lord told me, Byron? People have, are sowing seeds. People have sown seeds. Now, this is the best seed you could ever sow, but nobody wants to sow this seed. Nobody wants to sow their child. Okay? Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to sow a spouse or a friend or somebody that died prematurely. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And I, this is what God was saying to me: is you sow, in 1981, you sowed Hannah Joy into the ground. 1981, you need to start contending for the harvest over that baby's life, because I want to bring a harvest from her life. Because to 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 God, she was a seed. See, I didn't willingly go out and sow that child. I didn't have a choice, really, at the time. But see, God took it like that. And God took that seed. And I promise you, God has protected that seed. That seed is, has grown up in heaven. And, you know, she's 27 years old, right? Right now, in heaven, according to the way we count days. But a lot of other people have lost things. And see, I feel like that's really a key thing that we need to do right now. I think there's people here, Grandchildren. People who've lost grandchildren, people who've lost maybe a brother or sister. God's saying, "I want you to contend for the harvest off of that." I don't want you to forget. this, this is not a light thing to God. That baby dying was not a light thing to God. It's not a light thing to God. God sowed. That baby, David, uh, Gabriel, was sowed. There has to come a harvest off these children that have died. There has to come a harvest off of them. There has to come a harvest if you're a parent and you've sowed a child. Now, that could be a, a child, you know, a premature, a child in the womb, a, what they call it, miscarriages, because, you know, the baby's alive, even if it's, you know, whatever, how old it is, however old it is, and, and you've miscarried the baby. So that's one thing I want to stop right now. Everybody in this room, if you've lost a baby or lost a child or a grandchild, or if you've lost like a spouse or a friend or something in your life that, you, that really was important, I want you to stand up. Now, the first thing you could say is this is just too many people. But see, I, I'm telling you, these were seeds. And see, when God comes and tells us we need to start contending for the harvest, this is the most important thing. As, as important as your time and your talent and money is, this, there's no, this is not even the same. But I believe that God is saying to us, you need to start contending for the harvest off that thing that you had to bury. Because God is just. So let's just take a moment here and let's begin to ask the Lord to really speak to us about what we've lost and how God wants to make a harvest out of this. He wants to create a harvest. So, Father, I just pray you do that right now. I pray for every person in this room that you would begin to bring a resurrection and there would be a harvest that would be, Lord, a thousandfold, a thousandfold, Lord, however it's supposed to be. Lord, uh, you were speaking to me about young people and how you want to bring a revival among young people. And some of these young people who've been buried can really be the seed for a great harvest. so Lord, today and for some of these babies can be a seed for the for the next generation of of, of godly people and of, of a move of God and, and of revival and spiritual awakening on earth, Lord. Lord, we, we are saying to you, Lord, we have given our best to you. We have given our best to you. Lord, we could not give you anything any greater. And we sowed it to you in faith, Lord. And we're saying today, Lord, we want to see the harvest begin to come right now in Jesus' name. We're calling for... I want you to call forth for that harvest. I want you to... You know, the other week we told the devil to get off our money and our offerings. We need to tell the devil to get away from this thing that is so precious. We just command it. We just say we are tired. We We feel like we have been robbed, Lord. We're saying we're tired of it, Lord. And we're going to call forth for this harvest all from these children, Lord, and all from these spouses and all these dear friends and brothers and sisters and parents that passed too soon. We call forth for the harvest, Lord. The come off of that, Lord. Lord, You said You wouldn't leave us barren in the earth, Lord. We call it forth today in Jesus' name, Lord. We call it forth, Lord. Lord, we call for for that time of great blessings and prosperity to come upon us in Jesus' name. Yeah. And we thank you for it, Lord. We just bless you, Lord Jesus. Mm. You can sit down. So What I feel, now, I know this is not making I'm trying to connect it back to, to the Scriptures. It does connect. Maybe I can make it connect. I don't know. What I feel is, it's like there's a chapter been written in a lot of people's lives. Okay? And it was a chapter where you had to give up things. It was a chapter where things didn't happen for you. The way you believed they were going to happen, the, the promises of God, the, the you know, the prophetic words spoken over you, were never fulfilled, and you even forgot about them. And some of them you just let go of. Them. You didn't want him to hear. That's why the Bible says, "Don't despise prophetic utterance," because there comes a time in our lives when we those things don't work. We just begin to despise them. I mean, but now the Lord is calling us right now. Stand up. john twelve twenty four says good john twelve twenty four it says truly truly wow, I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit See, that can really happen in your life you know you guys lost a lost a daughter and a sister it bears much fruit mm. so um I think this chapter. It's coming to an end. And this is why I believe it's coming to an end. Because God wants to bring us in a, in a, into a time of resurrection in a time of fulfillment. Okay? That, that's what He wants to do. That's why He's saying, y'all need to wake up. I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to fulfill some things in your life. But if you're so asleep, you're not going to You're not going to connect you're not going to catch what I'm doing. You're going to miss what I'm doing. Because that's just the way God is. You know, if we're not dialing into Him, it's easy to miss God, right? You know, it really is. And I believe God really wants to bring into people's lives, and I believe into this church life, a time of great spiritual prosperity. <laughs> I'm in, in, saying spiritual prosperity because that, to me, is more important than natural prosperity although I'll take natural prosperity, but I would rather have spiritual prosperity because I I believe if you have that, you can have the natural and it won't kill you you and lead you astray. But I believe the Lord wants us to call forth like the Lord called Lazarus out of the grave. I think we've got to call forth some of these promises of God, some of these words over our lives, some of these promises of God. Call them out of the grave. Say, it's time for you to come forth. You cannot stay in the grave until I get there. I don't want to meet my promise. I don't want to meet my child in the grave and never saw what God intended to come forth in this world through her life, through the seed that He sowed for her. It just is not an acceptable thought to me. So I believe each one of us need to ask the Lord to begin to remind us of things. And um, Yes, sir.
1: interesting that the Lord is talking to us about contending for the harvest, and it's time to plant. It's coming time to plant, and the Lord um, got after me. We had a field ready to plant, not ready to plant, but set aside to plant, and he, he, he got after me to get on the tractor and go out there and plow the ground to get it ready. And I promise you, it was probably one of the worst experiences physically I've ever done because it was cold and then it started raining and I would quit until the rain would get over and then I would climb on that stupid tractor again and get out there and start plowing again and I know to the neighbors I look like a, a complete idiot mm-hmm. you know the other farmers they are looking over there at Chuck what in the world is he doing and it was just that God had spoken down into my heart, get out there and break the ground. And I'm telling you what the Lord's doing to you this morning is he's saying the field that you have, I'm coming to turn the soil over to prepare it to, for my seed be planted into your field and it's going to come up during this coming season and there's going to be a harvest that's what contending for the harvest is is you got a field and you, you just can't sit let it sit there barren and not do anything with it as a farmer you have to go get the plow and hook it up and go out there and tear the ground up and then when, you, when a little bit of time uh, right now is the ground's tore up. It just got tore up this morning, okay? And your heart. And now this, there's a, about till February the 15th, there's a time that it's going to lay still. And then the Lord is going to come and he's going to prepare it more. And then he's going to plant his seed in your heart and then it's going to come up and then you'll find us during the season it'll be growing and then there will be a harvest. There will be a harvest.
0: There will be a harvest. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. So let me read
1: this
0: Genesis 524 to you. Reapers are be overtaken. Yeah. Yeah. This is what the Bible says. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Okay, and this is what the Lord told me. He said there's a grace, there's an Enoch grace available for people. Enoch grace. Think about it. Enoch was an Old Testament man. Okay, he so said he walked with God and the Lord just took him. Cause he, Hebrews 11 says, because he pleased the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord. He was close to the Lord. He was so close to the Lord that the Lord decided, I don't want him to die. He's just going to go on off with me and just disappear. You know, Enoch, I think, was like the great-grandfather or the great-great-great-grandfather of Noah. Okay? So, I mean, he really was the, the godly seed uh, that was in the earth. And Enoch was alive when Adam was alive uh, because of their ages. You know, them boys lived a long time. <laughs> Uh, but there's a book called The Book of Enoch, which is not a biblical, not a scripture book, but you can actually buy that. I think it's like two or three volumes on Amazon. Uh, but there's a, actually Jude quotes Enoch, quotes from that, those writings. But one of the things that he, he prophesied in that book, if you can stand reading the book, is so, you know, it takes some brains to read it. One of the things he prophesied, he prophesied about Methuselah. You know, Methuselah lived 900-something, 900 960-something years, and, he, and Methuselah's name actually meant era. That's what it means. And he said the era, uh, he spoke about when the era falls, the judgment's going to come. In other words, when Methuselah died. And I've often wondered about why the Lord waited, you know, about judging the earth. And he was waiting because a word was spoken. I want you to hear this now. God was waiting to judge the earth because, because it was a, a word that God gave Enoch. Okay, and he would not budge until that, until that word was fulfilled. Right, when, when, yeah. So he prophesied this. So what I'm trying to tell you, I want you to get faith in what God has said to you. Now, you can discount words all day long. You know, that's what we tend to do. You know, we'll hear somebody speak a word about somebody else and we'll believe it all day. But when it's about ourselves, we question it. But I'm telling you, God has spoken words over people's lives that are going to come true. If he would hold up judging the whole earth because of one word he gave one man about one of his descendants, I think he may have been a great-grandson or son Methuselah was, for Enoch, that he would not release the judgment into the earth and destroy the earth because he gave Enoch a word. God's given people words so that the book of the Word in the time that the Word is laid in the ground is shut that chapter's done I believe God's saying now is a new chapter that's going to come forth in your life if you will allow it to come forth if you will cooperate with the Lord now here's here's one of the keys is what we've got to get and this is what the Lord was showing me this week okay that's what He showed me I was telling the Lord I was with the Lord I was being still and being quiet and the Lord started speaking to me and basically he was uh, asking me a question the question was that uh, who do you seek and I said Lord you know here's, this is what I want to do with my life Okay, this is really what I want to do I want to have a relationship with you a real one and you know what Lord I will give up I will give up everything else I will give up all the, the angelic realm the, all I will give all that up if I can have you because that, I love that stuff, Lord. You know I love it. That's why I'm willing to give you something I love the most. But having a relationship with you, Lord, every day of my life, every day of my life, I want a real relationship with you. I want to walk with you in truth. And I want to know you, and I want to know what your heart is about me and about whatever else you decide to do. That's, that's what I want, Lord. That's what I'm seeking. And I got up from there. And I went to this meeting, and this man in this meeting said, i got a word for you. I said, okay, you know, I'll take the word. And he prophesied a word to me that has probably been prophesied, it's been prophesied to me from almost every person, from every uh, continent on the earth I've gotten this same word. For years I got this one word that everybody would give me. Everywhere I would go. I even went to a meeting one time. This is crazy. Let me tell you about this. This is one of the funnier ones. I was thinking about all the different ones I got. I went to a meeting one time at Harry Bazell's house. It was about a dozen guys. Okay? And Bob Jones called Harry. And, and, and they were talking. And, and Harry said, Yeah, some guys are going to come over here and just have a meeting to talk about their... They were going to just do some planning about their church. And he said, Oh, yeah. There's a guy that's coming to that meeting. He, he weighs about 170 pounds. Okay? And then he gave him the word, which was the same old word. And so I get there, Harry said, Byron, how much do you weigh? I said, about 170. (laughs) All the other people are bigger than me. I was the littlest guy there (laughs) with weight. I thought that was pretty good. Okay? But this guy basically, I mean, all these words are saying the same thing, a little bit of a different version. It comes out different, different words because, I mean, if you get a word from somebody in Africa, it's going to have an African bend. So if you get a word from somebody in South America, it's going to have a South American bend. If you get a word from somebody in the west coast of the United States, it's going to have a little bit of a different bend than somebody from North Carolina. This guy was giving me this word, but he added something to it. Okay, He added a piece to it, and this is what he added to me. He said, you know, because of the blessing that God's going to bring in your life, it's going to also bring some trouble to you. And God's trying to warn you ahead of time. Don't run away when the trouble comes. That's what He said to me. Don't run away when the trouble comes. And I said, Lord, and I thought, My gosh, I've never got that part of the word. Why is the Lord telling me that? Don't run away when the trouble comes. He even said, You know how Elisha had to? He brought fire down, opened the, broke the drought. You know, killed, had all those guys killed off. Did this powerful thing, and he's running away because a woman, send, uh, this woman sends a message to him, so "I'm gonna kill you," and he takes off scared. You know, and he was saying, you, "You can't let that happen to you." And God's telling you ahead right now, it don't, it doesn't have to happen. It does not have to happen. All right, now I want you to hear this. What God is trying to tell people is the way. Here's here's the way. God wants to prepare people so they can receive a blessing. He wants to pr- prepare people so he can prosper them. Okay, because not everybody can be prospered. Okay and stand not, are y'all understand what I'm saying not everybody can receive the blessings of God and make it through it and still do the important things in life that we have to do now here's an example I'm going to give you an example and it's a hard example Okay? it's Todd Bentley Okay. this is the truth this is what Bob Jones told me about I could get in all kinds of trouble telling. but I'm going to tell you because we need to hear it Bob Jones told Todd Bentley for five years you've got a crack in your foundation and if you don't do something about it, it's going to get you. And for the last three years, he said, Todd, you know that crack you got? There's a viper that's going to crawl up in it and get you. He told him that for three years, and he wouldn't listen to him. And guess what happened to Todd? Now, Todd had a powerful anointing. Now, I don't care what anybody says or anybody thinks about Todd Bentley. I believe Todd Bentley had a very powerful anointing from the Lord all over him. Todd Bentley could shift the atmosphere in a room. Literally, He could walk in the room and shift. The things we talk about and the things we want to do, he could do it. Okay? He was gifted powerfully from the Lord. He was blessed powerfully from the Lord. But he wouldn't listen to people. He wouldn't listen to people that were warning him. Bob told him, shut those meetings down for two weeks if you have to and go home and take care of your family. And he wouldn't do it. He said, if you can't get somebody else, shut them down. God can take care of his. If it's a move of God, God will take care of it. It can't rest all on you. You've got a family. You need to take care of your family and your wife and your children. He he wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen when he was told that. The same thing happened. You know, we we loved the Welsh revival and we put Evan Roberts up on a on a a pedestal. But you know what Evan Roberts did? Evan Roberts would not sleep during the the Welsh revival, and people ran and begged him. You can't do this. Go home and go to bed. And guess what? I think, how many nervous breakdowns did he have in his life? Nine or something like that. some ridiculous amount of nervous breakdowns because the human body is not made to not sleep. No matter how powerful anointing you're in, there are certain laws that God is just not going to overrule for us. And one of them is rest and sleep. And another one is taking care of the things in your life that you must take care of, like your family. Okay? And one of the most the most important thing that we can have, I think, that God was, was trying to get through to me before He gave me the Word was that my relationship with, with Him was the thing that was going to keep me. And, and enable me to be blessed by God. Big to be blessed big by God. Because I have a relationship with the Lord. I'm walking with God. I have I have a communion with God that's real. Okay? That's the thing that's gonna that's the thing that's gonna keep us. And God is saying, you get that thing right, right now, because if you don't get it right, right now, and the blessings come, the blessings can destroy you. And see, we wonder why God doesn't want to bless us and and, and fulfill the things in our hearts, our dreams, our visions, all these things that He's put in there. And we're saying, why don't you do it, Lord? And He's saying, because if I do it, it'll kill you. And He let one man stand in front of the world, and God just didn't care what everybody thought. He let that one man fall in front of everybody. Now you think that didn't break God's heart for Todd to fall, but God had a greater purpose that He was willing to let that man just be totally exposed in front of everybody, so we could get a message into our hearts that God can bless you immensely, He can gift you immensely. But if our relationship, if we're not in right, our lives are not in the right order. It's going to destroy us. And he's, and he was warning the church, because I, I do believe you know, that that thing that happened was just a preview of things to come, that God's going to do a lot more stuff than that, a whole lot more. But he's trying to get us ready. And I think the relationship thing, because when he begins to resurrect some of these promises he's given us and they begin to get fulfilled in our life, suddenly we're going to be in good shape. I'm going to read this John 15 are y'all, Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? So you sowed some of, A lot of people stood up and sowed some pretty serious seeds. That means there's a pretty serious harvest to reap, which that harvest could destroy you and I. It, it could be so good. It could destroy us. And God doesn't want us to be destroyed. This is what Jesus said, John 15, verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved, loved you, Abide in my love. Just abide in my love. That's what I want you to do. And that's the thing that's going to keep us in our day of trouble or in our day of blessing. That's going to keep us when we're prospered and when we're not being prosperous. We're abiding in the love of God. Now, the way I see that is I see that, you know, on your electrical outlets over there, you've got these three little holes. And then on your plug, you got this little three things. And there's this little thing called a ground wire. And it says, don't cut that thing off like a lot of people do for some reason. That ground wire is there for a reason. And the ground wire is there to protect you from electric shock. You know, there's little circuit ground fault, GFCI on some of your outlets. It says GFCI protected. It means ground fault circuit protection. Okay? It's meant, if, you know, they're in the bathrooms. You sling water up on it, it'll cause, a gra- cause electricity because electricity is looking for a ground. And you don't need to be the ground. Right, because that means it's going to flow through you and that's what those ground fault things are to keep you from being the ground because it's going to find the ground when I was a kid I was in my uncle's house and there was a lightning storm outside and my cousin looked at me and don't worry the house is light the house is grounded you know have you seen them ground rods on them old houses on the roofs and they come and go? well about the time he said that we heard this pop and there was a ball of fire as big as a basketball shot through the room the <laughs> lightning run into the house I'm glad, it's glad I wasn't standing in front of that ball of fire. But you know what that, like, that thing was looking It was looking for a ground. It was looking for a way to get to the ground. And see, that's what our relationship with the Lord does. is It, it provides the safety for us where, it, where the blessings of God are not, are not destroying us and not going to kill us. Are you all hearing this? Now, the other night, Don Catherine saw an anchor. I saw electric circuit. Don sees anchors. Where is Don here? Yeah. He saw this anchor to the Lord. And he was saying, this is what he was saying. Here's something we need to learn how to do, y'all. So We need to better learn how to hear the Lord corporately. Okay? We struggle with hearing the Lord corporately. Because we're we're so, we've trained ourselves to look for it a certain way all the time. And Don said this little thing well, sometimes the Lord brings His glorious presence, and sometimes He just wants to speak something, and there's no glory attached to it. And we miss a lot of times when there's no glory attached to it. But what Don saw was an anchor where He, and the Lord was saying, I'm, I, You need to be anchored in me. That's the thing that's going to, going to help you. That's the thing that's going to protect you in the storms that are coming. It's also the thing that will help. And Don went on to explain. It. He can tell you lots about anchors I never dreamed about. <laughs> about how good sailors can use anchors to maneuver ships in, a time, in battles. You know, when they're shooting cannons, they'll just, just use an anchor, twist, and the cannonball shoots right through the ship and don't even hit nobody because the guy knows how to use the anchor to guide it. You know, I thought anchors, you just park the thing and throw an anchor there to keep it from floating away. <laughs> I, but God really wants to anchor people right now to Him. Robin said something that was really good. He said, you can't build a church on miracles. Churches are built on relationships. The miracles just make it great and fun. And God wants to make it great and fun because He's a great and fun God. But it is all about a relationship. That's what love is. It's a, it's a relationship. So we gotta, That's why I was saying to the Lord, I, I'm willing to give up that To have the relationship. Okay? Now, let me read one more scripture. Y'all okay? Okay. Well, one of the scriptures, going back to the letters of it says we're to be rooted in what? Grounded. Come on. We're to be grounded in love. That's the safety for us. Is that we have a love relationship with God. That's the thing every day of our life. And I think that was what I was asking the Lord, Lord, what are you trying to say to our church? He said, it's just a doorway for people. It's a doorway for them to walk through today to have that relationship, that intimacy. That's what the intimacy is. It's just a relationship with God that's real and it's alive. So our lives have to be built on that relationship because God's blessings can destroy you and God does not want to destroy you. And I pray that God will be able to help Todd and fix his life and there's people trying to help him. So it all was not lost there yet. Okay. But right uh after the I had that <coughs> prophetic word from that guy and that was Wednesday, Wednesday night Becky had a dream. This was the dream, and this is where this is what I want to do. I want to warn you. God had really blessed us as a, as a as a church in a major way. But certain people in this church fail because they didn't were not able to handle the blessings of God. The blessings were so great. That you didn't have the ground wire there hooked up, and the, and the lightning ran in instead of going to the ground, it went to you and knocked you out. It took some of you out. I w- I'm not going to tell you who it is because that that really doesn't matter. It was just symbolic that that could happen. Put it to you this way: it was, it was people you wouldn't think. It took them out. The blessings took them out, and I know the Lord's saying you can't let that happen, and I know the Lord saying I'm I'm trying to bring you into a place of blessing but you've got to get this right because He do not want to destroy us. Okay? Now here's, here's the Philippians 4, 12 and 13. Everybody knows this. This is what Paul said. He says, I know how to get along with humble means. I, think I know how to do that too, Lord. I'm tired of it. I grew up like that. I don't want no more humble means. And I also know how to know how to live in prosperity. Just give me a chance, Lord. You know? But in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. It was all about, like Matthew said, the word union, a connection, a realness with God that was real. It wasn't going through the motion. It wasn't like Ryan was saying, you're living in the house, but you're not connecting. We see each other all the time, but we don't really connect. There's no reality going on between us. I'm with the Father every day, but I run through my devotion. Oh, I've got so much to do. I don't have time to do this. I'm thinking about 900 problems. I'm really still letting God have His way with me. (laughs) Does anybody else do that crazy stuff besides me? Some of us, this is what I've seen, okay? I've seen people that the only time they go after the Lord is when God puts the pressure on them. You know, things are not working in your life and suddenly you're going after God. And you're all anxious for God. Has anybody ever done that besides me? I've done that. We've all done it. Let's be truthful here. We all have done that. You know, I'm in the gun. And I need God all of a sudden. I better start talking to God and hear what God's got to say because they, I need God right now. Then slowly but surely when things got okay, I didn't, you know, I'm back to the old, I'm reading the Bible, but I can't even think about what I'm reading because I'm thinking about other stuff I need to do that's more important. You know, that's, not, that's no good. But then there's, other thing. there's another thing that we have all done if we're going to be truthful. Uh, when God's moving powerfully, we can move powerfully. And we're all excited when God's moving powerfully. The moment He quits moving powerfully, we quit moving powerfully. Right? Anybody else guilty of that? That, I mean, God, we've all done that. That's, human, that's how we as humans do. But God wants to enable us, no matter what, and I'm going to tell you something. One of the keys is this. It really is. It's your mind. Is your the thoughts that you have in your mind. God really, literally wants to put. Uh, I was thinking about this. You know, somebody said to me this time about in, in Ezekiel where the Lord was spying in on the elders in the in the temple, and they had nasty things written on the wall. And you know, Bob Jones brought that up about erasing that bad stuff off the walls of your mind. And I had an opportunity where I had this situation with this person and in the middle of the night. I knew what I was gonna do it. I knew it. I knew I'm gonna to go to bed and go to sleep, and I'm gonna wake up in the middle of the night full of anxious thoughts over this conversation. Sure enough, two o'clock in the morning, I'm wide awake, and my mind starts filling up with negative thoughts. And everything was negative to me. Everything I started thinking about all the bad things and all the problems and all the issues. That's what I was focusing on, and I realized, wait a minute. I'm thinking about all this, and I'm not even thinking about what God is, is doing, okay? I'm, not, I'm thinking about all the negative, but I'm not, I have no thought in my mind about what, anything to, about God, just about the problems, and I'm mad at these people because they're causing me these problems. I had a list going. Yeah. And I was thinking about getting them the next day. I'm calling them. I'm going to send them a nasty email. They're going to be in trouble with me. But I realized God, and then the Lord said to me, listen, this is what you need to do, Byron, is you can literally get the same walls that are in heaven into your mind. The walls of heaven are living walls, and there's nothing negative on those walls. And if you'll just receive the mind of Christ into your natural mind, then that's the walls of heaven. You, and, and so you, you're making a decision to begin to set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. You make that choice in your heart. I'm not going to sit here and think about what God's not doing. And I'm not going to sit back here and think about all the failures and all the things that could go wrong and will be wrong and how this is not working. I'm going to think about these are the things God's doing. I'm going to think about those things because God's always doing something. And that's how you naturally keep your mind on things above. And it's really a a key. And once I did that, I was finally went back to sleep. But it was a couple hours later. (laughs) Then you're starting to worry about, oh, I've got to get up, man, in two more hours. You can start to worry about that. I'm going to feel bad tomorrow, and I've got a lot to do. All right. So God wants us to prosper. I'm going to read this last scripture to you, because I do want to say this to you. I want you to make sure you understand. First Corinthians 14, verse 1. Because after I said all this, I do want to take the same position Paul the Apostle says. Number one, he says, pursue love. In other words, pursue a living, real relationship with the Lord. That's the thing that's going to keep you, and that's the thing that's going to enable you to be prospered. It's also the thing that's going to enable you when things are not going well in your life, is you've got something real with God. It's not based on... Nothing else. It's based on your relationship with Him. That, that He's good. He loves you. He's speaking to your heart and you're fellowshipping with Him. It's not, was the worship good last yesterday or did the preacher preach good or did I do this good or did I do that? None of that stuff. See, because all that stuff is so sub- subjective and so susceptible sub- not to work out. But if you can have a relationship with the Lord, then that's important. Yet, now this is Paul the Apostle, yet desire... Earnestly desire, desire earnestly, spiritual. But do we have that scripture? Oh, that's all. I probably told you that. It's 14.1. I want to point out the fact to you that gifts, it says, it says earnestly desire spiritual. It doesn't say gifts in the Greek language, it says spiritual which happens to include gifts like prophecy and all the other things, Paul was saying, let's have this relationship with the Lord, but go after the spiritual realm. That's what he was saying. Go after it. See, we have permission to go after angelic encounters, uh, prophetic encounters, all those things that I was telling you that I love so much that I was telling the Lord I'm willing to give them all up to have this relationship with me. And he's saying back to me, well, you don't want to have to give them up, but you do have to put them in the right order in your spiritual life. If you'll go for me in relationship with me, but I also want you to, to desire to go after the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm, the open heaven. And if you, you know, are y'all with me on that? I want to make sure you understand because I don't, I don't want people walking in here with some religious ideal. Because that's what religion will tell you. No, you just need to have a relationship with the Lord. You forget all this other stuff, blah, blah, you know, you know all the crazy stuff. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible says pursue that relationship. Make that the number one priority in life. Do it every day of your life. Do it with all your heart. But also you go after the spiritual realm. I will go on to visions and revelations in the Lord. That's what the Bible says to do. And it's high time we did that and not be religious about what I'm telling you this morning. Okay? Are y'all good? That's the, that's the end. <laughs> hey. Hey,
2: I hope, I hope everybody really heard this. I encourage you to go back and listen to this again on our website. This is one of the most profound messages we've ever received. I truly believe that. Yeah, I felt as if God was just standing up here talking to us. I mean, honestly, like, Be sober about this. Okay, it's a really serious word. All right, and then the other thing is, I don't know if you guys caught Ann's announcement, but in line with what Byron just said about relationship versus miracles, actually quoting Robin McMillan, is an impromptu thing springing up, and we continue this party this morning at Sloan Park. Grab a Bojangles chicken bucket or something, or KFC, sorry KFC, give you a fair shout out now. For your own family that's in any scheduled event and get the directions in the foyer and come out let's hang out and play and just continue relationship that is just as spiritual as if we were getting ready to have a miracle service where five blind eyes were open so on and so forth if we're going to follow that line of reasoning right now don't get me wrong I'd love to have a miracle service too but invited to come do that but we're going to take communion this morning to conclude And uh, you can be dismissed after this. But I want to remind you of the natural and spiritual collision, okay? The natural and spiritual collision that happens at the communion table. As we remember in this quote-unquote sacrament, the Lord's body and His blood that represent His sacrifice for us which I will remind you includes physical healing, by His stripes were healed, right? The blood includes forgiveness of sin, and then also, third, deliverance from oppression of the enemy, and fourth, prosperity in the crown of thorns on the cross, these are all contained in our uh, our interaction with the supernatural realm at this table and in addition to that the bible teaches and promises us that in this interaction our spirit eyes become more and more opened to the reality of our father and his kingdom amen so father we thank you and we bless this table we thank you god for the privilege of coming to the table and sharing and participating in this, um, this just blessed time. And, and I just pray this morning that each one of us, man, woman, and child, Lord, as we partake, God, that You would just supernaturally do the work of love, do the work of redemption and forgiveness, and Lord, that, uh, that our eyes would truly become more and more opened to You and Your ways, Father. We thank You for that. In Jesus' name.